Pastor Xavier Reese and the love of God that did away with the law of God. See, the entire first covenant of law served as a copy of shadow of heavenly things to come in Jesus Christ, Hebrews 8.5. It's all about Him. The New Testament gives the guarantee that all the law and the feast were fulfilled prophetically in the person of Jesus Christ. The sacrifice of Christ doesn't have to be repeated. It's sufficient for your salvation. I am so glad I'm not in the law. I go broke buying sheep. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. In Proverbs 6, jealousy is called the rage of a man. However, jealousy in God is holy and just displeasure. Those cannot worship God righteously who do not worship Him only. And this is the simple truths of Exodus chapter 34 that God Himself addressed to the Israelites upon the renewal of His covenant to them through the prophet Moses. Let's join Pastor Xavier continuing our series in the book of Exodus. Exodus 34, verses 1 through 35, the entire chapter, and the message is entitled, The Broken Covenant Renewed. In 10 through 17, the renewed covenant with Israel is given to us. The declaration of the covenant by Yahweh is in 10 and 11. He gives us his promise, the promise of God. Listen to him. He said, Behold, I make a covenant. The word covenant, berith, comes from the root word to cut. And they would cut an animal in two, separate the parts. The two parties would walk between it. The blood would seal that covenant. We have an example of that with Abraham in Genesis 15, 17 through 18, and the book of Jeremiah 34, 18 and 19. God is the only one who made this covenant. Then he gives us the power of God. There in 10, before all your people, I will do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord Yahweh, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. So the very power of God would be a terror to those in the land. And we know this as we read the history. They were terrified when they came across Jordan, Jericho, and all the others. Then he declares the protection of God in verse 11. Also by driving out the inhabitants of the land, he says, their enemies, Amorites, Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, and all these ites. Puts them out. It's judgment. Because of their abominable living, God was going to judge them through Israel. Not all at one time, lest the beasts of the field would overpopulate and overtake them. But as they would judge the people one at a time, then the Israelites would be replaced, and so the animals would not overpopulate or outnumber the population of the people. It's very clear in the law. The balance of everything. God's in control. Verse 12, they were to be to take heed to themselves, to not make covenants with the inhabitants of the land where they were going, lest it be a snare to their midst. They were to destroy their altars, break down their sacred pillars, cut down their wooden images. This is all idolatry that accompany these uh, worship things. They were to worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Now, he said that in the second commandment. Why? Because he will allow no rivals. Why? Because he loves you and he knows he's the best thing for you. You understand? Look at 15. The subtle compromise was, lest they make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they play the harlot with their gods and make their sacrifice to their gods, and one of them invite them, and they would eat of the sacrifice. Look at 16. The tragic outcome would result. Then they take the heathen daughters for their sons, those daughters play the harlot with their gods and make 
the Israeli sons play the harlot with their gods. And that's exactly what happened as they came to the borders. And the Midianite women came and they showed, hey, you guys want us to show how we worship our gods? And Phineas stepped up in righteous anger and wiped out one of the Israelis with one of the Midianite women right in the tent. Look at 17. The prohibition was that of idolatry. You shall make no molded gods for yourself. Now notice comes the renewed covenant command for the feast and the Sabbath and some various things here in verse 18 through 28. In 18, the feast of unleavened bread. We've gone over this to keep the seven days of unleavened bread, 15 to the 22nd. It would be accompanied with the Passover, the 14th of every year. This is, they have a civil year and a religious year, the Jews, two different calendars. In 19 and 20, you have the firstborn belonging to God, all that opens the womb in verse 19, every male uh, firstborn among their livestock, whether ox or sheep. And then in 20 still, none were to appear before God empty-handed. What does this mean? This means when you come before me, you realize that you have everything to me. Come with an open, thankful, and gracious heart. It's real simple. In 21, you have the Sabbath rest. Six days they were to work. The seventh, the rest. This would include plowing time and harvest. They were to rest. This is a caution against greed. They were to trust God. He would be sufficient, putting them first. In 22, you have two other feasts. The Feast of Weeks or Pentecost, June 6th. And the Feast of Tabernacles, 15th to the 22nd of October at the end of their harvest year. And those are the three main feasts. You have Passover, which is connected with unleavened, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. And notice in 23, it says the presence of all males was to be required, and he gives the qualification. Three times a year indicates the three feasts here mentioned. And then all the men would appear before the Lord. They're gone over the age of 20. 20 is the age of going to war and coming to worship. They go hand in hand. Now, notice in 24, the promise of protection for their land during the three pilgrimage of these feasts is interesting. God would give them the land. Listen to what he says. For I will cast out the nations before you and enlarge your borders. I'm going to give it to you. Then he says that God would guard their land. Neither will any man covet your land when you go up to appear before the Lord Yahweh, your God, Elohim, three times a year. So they didn't have to worry about alarms and having them connected to the police department or fire department. God just put one big angelic cherub there and nobody entered the house. He says, when you come back, your stuff will be here. <laughs> Look at 25. The stipulations for the sacrifices that the feasts are given in general here. They were not to offer blood of his sacrifice with leaven, a type of sin, only certain ones, and we'll get through those in Leviticus. And they were to uh, not to leave the sacrifice of the Feast of Passover, the 14th of April, until the morning. They were to burn it up. And we saw this as they came out of the Exodus, the same thing. Now, they were to bring the first of the first fruit, it says here in 26, of the land to the house of, the, of Yahweh, their God. Now, if you add up all the tithes and the givings of the Old Testament, they will come up to about 27, 28%. We use the word tithe just as the word for giving to God. We don't use it as a measure. Because if you look at all people say, well, a tithe. I said, well, you want to go Old Testament? Yeah, okay, 27, 28%. Well, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But see, God doesn't care about your amount. You understand? God cares that you give out of your heart because you love the Lord Hilariously, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians, 
chapter 8 and 9. God wants your heart. Now, verse 27. The Lord commanded Moses to write these words, saying, For according to the tenor of the words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. The tense in the Hebrews of pluperfect. The Lord had said to Moses, Remember the tablets were written on both sides also. They included all the statutes, the judgments, the ordinances, the instructions for the priests, the instructions for the tabernacle. Back chapter 21, 22, 23, 25 to 31. All of that. Notice the presence of Moses with Yahweh on Mount Sinai was not a few days. Moses was with the Lord Yahweh 40 days and 40 nights. A total of 80 days. This was the second time. The first one was Exodus 24, 18. Neither he ate bread or water. Now, I would not recommend this. This is a miracle, okay? After eight, nine days, you don't have no water, you're dead. All right? You can go a little longer without food, but water, no way. And then it says that he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments, literally the Ten Words. And so this is the authority of God, not man. Very important. This is much like an attorney that is handling a person's case. This is Moses. He's the mediator. The person can't do it themselves. They need someone qualified. This is Moses. The New Testament of grace promises the victory through Jesus Christ and that it has been won triumphantly. His promise is that if we repent, he forgives us and gives us eternal life, John 3, 16. What a great promise. His promise is to impart power to us for service through the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, to serve the Lord. See, the entire first covenant of law served as a copy of shadow of heavenly things to come in Jesus Christ. Hebrews 8.5 is all about him. Now, the New Testament gives the guarantee that all the law and the feasts were fulfilled prophetically in the person of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 8, 4 through 6 says, For if he were on earth, speaking of Christ, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy of shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown to you on the mount. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he, speaking Jesus, is also the mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. I am so glad I'm not in the law. I go broke buying sheep. Hebrews 10.1, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of things, can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, make those approach perfect. They have to be repeated. The sacrifice of Christ doesn't have to be repeated. It's sufficient for your salvation. You need to just make sure you keep your account short. Keep your checkbook balanced. <laughs> your spiritual checkbook. You understand? And so the impartation to Moses of the renewed covenant was declared by God. This is all God's words. Not Moses. Which leads us to the implications about Moses through the renewed covenant here, 29 through 35. The renewed appearance of Moses at the descent of Moses to the camp of Israel is given to us. Moses came down from the Mount Sinai, two tablets, testimony in his hands. And these were the replacements of the original two that he had broken, as we've seen. 
These contain the same Ten Commandments. The people had heard God speak audibly. Moses did not know, notice, that his skin of his face had been shining while he had been speaking with Yahweh. The word shone means to send out rays. This could only be due to the Shekinah glory of God. Moses was in the presence of God. Notice in verse 30 through 32, the renewed appearance of Moses caused an appropriate response by those in the camp of Israel. In 30, Aaron and all the children of Israel were stunned. Don't miss it. When Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, that the skin of his face shone, they were taken back. The text tells us they saw. It simply means to observe, to perceive visibly. But the text also tells us they reacted to what they saw. The word behold, which is a conjunction interjection, emphasizing the unexpected. It's really kind of like a commentary. They weren't expecting that, and they were taken back. It's like we're looking and saying, whoa, that gives you the idea. The face of Moses was radiating the effects of the Shekinah glory of God, much like the moon reflects the sun. The moon is not a light generator. It's a reflector. Remember that. That's what you and I are. It's all the light of the sun. Remember that when you serve the Lord. When he uses you, you have nothing to do with it. The Shekinah glory is of God. Aaron and all the children of Israel stayed back. The text there in verse 30 says they were afraid to come near him. The word afraid means to stand in awe with the idea of reverence. Now God has reestablished the authority of Moses as before. They recognized the close connection between Moses and Yahweh, the law that he was imparting to them. And so in verse 31, Moses was unpretentious and he wooed them to him. It says, Moses called to them, Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him. And so, the humble and loving attitude of Moses humbled them. The radiating glow off the face of Moses caused them to revere him. Respect, not like God, but to respect. It says, and Moses talked with them. Moses was the chosen mediator. He has successfully made that mediation for the people of God. I have to imagine they have to be so thankful, so appreciative. In 32, Moses reconciled the people back to God then. Moses delivered the authoritative words of God to the people. They're God's words. In the presence of all, he says, when all the children of Israel came to Moses. He, he let them come. He didn't become pretentious and, and more than he was. In personal responsibility to obey, he gave them as commandments, not as suggestions. These are commandments. These are commandments. You are obligated to keep them. You're entering covenant. Still in 32, Moses delivered the entire revelation Yahweh gave to him. All that the Lord Yahweh has spoken to him. This included the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words, the civil 
judgments, the statutes, the ordinances, as we said, also the pattern of the instruction for the tabernacle and the priesthood. Everything. Chapter 19 to 24, the first covenant. You have 21 to 23, the civil judgments and everything. And notice where it is on Mount Sinai. This marks the historical and geographical location of the renewed covenant to become the people of God. This is important. He never lets them forget. And they haven't. We have the renewed appearance of Moses established his unique authority. In verse 33, in view of his shining face, when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put on the veil of his face. Like God, Moses did not want to intimidate the people. He's humble. Like God, Moses was communicating there was distinction between him and the people, though. Nothing wrong with that. Also, notice in 34, in view of his shining face, Moses took the veil off when he went in before the Lord Yahweh to speak with him. And when he came out, he would cover his face and speak to the children of Israel whenever he had had to command them. And so Moses was the chosen leader continually by Yahweh, not himself. No one's arguing anymore. Nobody's saying, who's Moses? He's been reestablished. And Moses was the only one who could approach God until the tabernacle was erected and his son, his, not his son, his brother Aaron and his sons were put into the priesthood office as the mediators. But notice one last thing here in 35. In view of his shining face, whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone, then Moses would have the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him. Moses continued to veil his face as the people came to him. And Moses continued to unveil it as he went to God. There was no need to keep the veil on before God because he was one with God. He is the go-between. Now, every believer is an ambassador of Christ that is to give the word of God only to people, even as Moses only gave the law. The Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. We are to go. It's a participle. In your going, when you go, or as you're going. There was never any question of going. We're to go. We don't even have to pray. We're just to pray where to go. But we're to go. It's real simple. We're to provide biblical answers to people for life and for eternity. Peter is very clear on this, 1 Peter 3, 15 through 17. But sanctify the Lord God in your heart and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better, if it is the will of God, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. And if you keep on reading, it says, and we are to commit ourselves to him as a faithful creator in our sufferings. Because that's the implication of being the church. There is going to be persecution and suffering. You're the church. You're not of the world. You understand? The Bible is clear that there is to be a recognized respect for those leaders in the church that are godly and faithful. As you look upon their lives. Let me give you some verses on that. Because today, the church is not out of bounds. It's just like anything else. There's no fear of God. There's no 
respect or anything. First uh, Timothy 5.17 says, Let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. First Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13 says, But we urge you, brethren, to rec- recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. It doesn't mean to worship them. It doesn't mean to follow them without question. It means to look at their life, look at the scriptures, and respect and pray for them. Hebrews 13, 7 says, Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow. So in other words, you make sure they're godly. Considering the outcome of their conduct. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy, not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. So there's a responsibility from the pulpit and the pew. It's a marriage. The authority of any person in ministry is from God, not from himself. And that authority is limited. It never goes beyond the scriptures. My authority is limited by the scriptures. I cannot go beyond the scriptures. I have the same limitation as you do. No different. As we finish this chapter, Paul gives us the commentary on this veil. Listen to it very carefully in 2 Corinthians 3, 4 through 18. Moses says there, And we have such trust through Christ towards God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death, the Old Testament, written and engraved in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadfastly on the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of spirit not be more glorious than the New Testament? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the law, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory, the New Testament. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious. What remains is much more glorious. Therefore, here's the conclusion. Since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadfastly to the end of what was passing away. Moses put the veil on his face because it was fading every day a little more, and it was a message that the law was only for a set time until Christ came. He gives us the commentary. But their minds were blinded, speaking of the Jews. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, the veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. There's the commentary. The implications about Moses through the renewed covenant was the doing of God. God established him again as the leader. No one else. And so here you have the ascension and the dissension of Moses in the renewed covenant, marked by the intercession of Moses to renew the covenant, was accepted by God. God accepted it. The impartation of Moses of the renewed covenant was declared by God, not Moses. And the implications about Moses of the renewed covenant was the doing of God. It was all about him. 
No one else. How much more now in Christ Jesus? No one can glory. He is the ultimate authority. Pastor Xavier Reese and the renewed covenant of God as declared to the Israelites. Simple truths drawn from Exodus chapter 34 today. Now, just before we close, let me quickly mention that copies of today's study titled The Broken Covenant Renewed are available on CD for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. And the title to ask for once again is The Broken Covenant Renewed. Or you can mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 